1: Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices.
2: Today's cool fact of the day is that it turns out that practicing gratitude is an economical thing to do. In two different studies with 243 participants, the participants who were 10% more grateful than average had 17.5% more social capital. Now, if you, like me, question how the heck do you measure social capital in a quantitative way, the answer would be, well, it's probably not a very good measurement. But nonetheless, gratitude makes you kick ass for a whole variety of reasons. And that's something I've talked about at the Bulletproof Conference. And something that I build into my bedtime ritual, even with my kids, where we name three things we're grateful for every single night, because it does good things for your nervous system.
1: What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io Dave for a seven-day free trial.
2: And the reason I'm bringing that up today is that you're going to hear from a couple of guests, but one of the guests is a friend, someone I first met here at Bulletproof Labs when he came up because he supported... Uh, Moldy, the documentary that I made about how water-damaged buildings are affecting people's health and performance uh, around the world. But he came up and told me this this profound story that ended up with him being on stage at the Bulletproof Conference. Uh, I'm talking about Anthony Coletti and his partner Joe Martino, who are working together on Collective Evolution, which is a website that has a lot of really valuable information about consciousness, And it was Anthony who had kind of a a profound experience using Bulletproof to come back from many gunshot wounds. (laughs) You're gonna hear about that uh, in this interview, I'm sure. And also, I wanna talk about the growth of a a grassroots organization that's really become one of the most popular alternative media production and community outlets. And we're talking full-length articles, tons of videos, and live events, which are all about raising awareness of how the world works and to create more consciousness. If you've been listening to Bulletproof Radio for a while, you know that I'm all in on that movement where the idea that you can control your biology by changing the world around you, how do you control your biology if you don't have an awareness of what it's doing? And that awareness is called consciousness. So this website and this whole community is at collective-evolution.com. And in today's show, we're gonna talk about Well, what happened with all these multiple gunshot wounds and and how Anthony got to be where he is today, and we're going to talk about how a community as powerful as Collective Evolution formed and what's in it for you when you're listening. Like, like why do you care about consciousness and how do we make it easier? So, guys, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks
4: for having us. Thanks for having us.
2: All right. Anthony, say something real quick so that people listening know your voice.
4: How's it going? It's Anthony Clady here from Collective Evolution. All
2: right. And... Joe, give us your voice. How
3: are you doing? It's Joe Martino, founder of Collective Evolution. Great to be on the show.
2: All right. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, com slash YouTube, you'd actually be able to see these guys. But if you're listening in your car, you're sitting at work and you're listening, that's cool too. So now at least uh, I'll do my best to sort out the names for you. And Joe's the founder of Collective Evolution. And Anthony joined later um, after some time as the biggest medical marijuana grower in Toronto. And if you've never been to Toronto, it is a ginormous city. I mean, it, it, this is a pretty big thing. So uh, let's see. What, what else do I want to say to introduce you guys as we just go in? Anthony, I guess let, let's just talk to me about, like, what that multiple gunshot wounds. I, I know you're sorry really well because you are sitting right up here in the studio when you told me. I just fell yeah. out of my chair. But, like, what happened?
4: Well, uh, while I was a medical marijuana grower, to be honest, it could have been is I could have been in one of the biggest ones in, in Canada. I just felt yeah. like I was being humble on the on the Bulletproof <laughs> stage, and I went with to Toronto. But while I was a grower, um, I was leaving a bar one fateful night, and a uh, a hitman dressed all in white popped up out of nowhere, uh, began shooting into the uh, into the car. I was hit five times in the car. I got out of the car and went for a, a double leg takedown, kind of like a a La Hoist Gracie.
2: So you're an MMA guy. Got it. I'm an MMA
4: guy. I've been doing martial arts since I was a kid. I was shot two more times, and then I ran back to the bar where I left, and I uh, laid down, controlled my breathing as I learned in martial arts, and then my uh, my new life began.
2: So five gunshot wounds, and you actually did manage to at least halfway take the guy down, so you ran away?
4: Well, one, one bullet went through my left arm, which paralyzed my arm, or else I'm sure I would have got him.
2: Well, at least his, his, uh, his outfit wasn't white anymore, right?
4: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was phased down. But I did manage to rip off a piece of his, uh, his outfit with my, uh, my right hand. We, wow. did, uh, we, just, we did some DNA testing, but uh, no luck.
2: Nothing conclusive. Nothing no. So, so and this was obviously uh, drug-related for the, the most part. And you were a legal grower. Like you weren't, you weren't doing illegal stuff. But clearly someone didn't like that.
4: Well, yeah, the you know, marijuana has a, a street value. So at that time, uh, there's a lot of things that happened before this, where I believe I kind of manifested this. Believe it or not, I wanted uh, out of these circles and what I was doing, and I wasn't. I wasn't content uh, just being in business to make money. I felt that this is my evolution from becoming a uh, from a, an entrepreneur to a socialpreneur. So I believe I manifested it by saying certain things to certain people that I knew was an issue, um, and I knew that they stood to gain. Pretty much somewhere around a million dollars if I was missing.
0: Ah, uh,
2: so they're gonna have you missing and buried somewhere probably. So That's th- right. it it sounds like there should be a movie made about this because you you kinda you came back, I mean you make the karate kid look like a total pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: awesome. I never heard that one before. But yeah.
2: Well <laughs> <laughs> it kind of was one actually. But <laughs> I just I just made half the world mad right now. Uh sorry everyone. Um but uh, it, it's, it's an amazing story, so, so tell me a little bit more about what happened. So you, you go into the bar, you're, you're barely breathing, right? You're laying there and someone calls 911. And what, what was the recovery like? What, what happened?
4: Uh, I was left with a collapsed lung. Uh, all the bullets are pretty much inside of me. I have an eight inch gash on the back of my head. So when I went for that double leg takedown, uh, I believe he was going for a headshot and I ducked the bullet. So if I would have been even a half an inch higher, the, the bullet would have hit me in the head. So I have an eight-inch gash just uh, as it grazed the back of my head. So when I'm in the hospital, I have a a paralyzed left arm and a collapsed lung. Uh, The collapsed lung ended up healing, but the left arm did not for, for quite some time. So while I was seeing doctors, they basically told me that I had no chance of my arm healing and they told me if I was 13 years old and not 33 years old, it would, have, it would have healed. And I naturally asked, what's the difference between my 13-year-old and my 33-year-old self? And they mentioned growth hormone. And that becomes relevant later on in the story and how I connected with you and Bulletproof and how I was able to be in the you know, the medical miracle books in terms of my arm healing, which should have never healed.
2: So you had a fully severed nerve. What did you do to, to make it come back?
4: Believe it or not, it wasn't fully severed. It was compressed as the bullet hit my, my arm, okay. which is almost even worse. Um, while I was obviously researching for ways to increase growth hormone, I came across, uh, obviously, you. I was 250 pounds at the time. Now I'm 200 pounds. So I, w- I was 50 pounds heavier. Okay. And uh, I was living somewhat of a toxic lifestyle. I was drinking, smoking cigarettes, no drugs or anything like that. But I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling good. I wasn't optimized. I definitely was not bulletproof. <laughs> so I came across... Uh, I came across you in a, another podcast and uh, and uh, I started drinking the Bulletproof coffee. I felt better. I you learned-
2: can say, you can say what other podcast it was. I'm cool. Okay.
4: <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure. Um, I was always a fan of like, Joe Rogan watching the UFC and, and whatnot. So I saw you on the Joe Rogan podcast. I, and- he,
2: he brought this stuff to a lot of people. I'm actually grateful for that.
4: Awesome. As I mentioned um on stage at the uh, at the conference, you were wearing these red glasses, and and you were you, you called yourself the bulletproof executive, which I thought was incredible because you were bulletproof and I was bulletproof. Yeah, so, actually
2: you know, bulletproof, right? <laughs> it's
4: actually bulletproof. So I felt that this might be some you know some message from the universe, some divine intervention. So I, I decided to to follow down the uh, the rabbit hole and, and follow this Dave Asprey, as I as I just knew you the bulletproof executive at that time, and I came across uh, bulletproof coffee. Uh, I started. Uh, eating in terms of the Bulletproof diet. I started sleeping uh, nine hours a night to increase growth hormone. I learned transcendental meditation. So I began meditating. Uh, What else did I do? I did so many things. A high-intensity interval training, sometimes Mm -hmm. because obviously I have synergistic qualities in terms of increasing growth hormone if you do that while you're fasting in the morning. And for someone to do that, just drinking black coffee, typical uh, intermittent fasting, it's absolutely terrible. It was it was so it was so difficult that I'd have to take a nap after I was super cranky but with the cu- with the, the butter and whatnot it just sustained me yeah. and I would eat I would break my fast as you indicate on your uh, on your website just after my workout and uh, I did this for months after two months of not healing the doctor said I had absolutely no chance but I kept faith in, in my, my regimen and, and your, uh, your your information and knowledge and eight and a half months later my, uh, my hand came back. And I'm happy to say that, that you know, I'm 100% now. Actually, at the I believe it's the ARX machine. At your yes. place, is that what it's yeah, called?
2: The, the one I have downstairs, the one you were playing I, with? Yeah.
4: I was able to hit 565 pounds. So I was pretty happy about that because I haven't seen that record broken yet. Yeah. So for, for a guy that the doctor said that I would never be able to, to hold their, or, or lift a glass of water the bench press 565 is, is pretty good.
2: Uh, you, you gave the audience at the Bull Group Conference. This year we had about 1,300 people, and you're on stage, and I hadn't planned to have you there, but I was like, this is too good of a story. So you just came up and did like a five-minute cameo. But like one of the first punches I think that you threw, uh, I was like, you know, I just just hit my hand, and you literally threw a perfect punch on stage <laughs> with an arm that was paralyzed. And this was just recently. Like when did you get your arm back?
4: It's uh, not even a year ago. So the accident happened on March 23rd of 2014. Wow. So this is all very recent. Uh, the scars are still somewhat oh, yeah. fresh. And
2: you, you give everyone chills when you do that because you know, like, here's a guy who, who literally they, they told you you're never going to move your arm again, and, and here you are throwing punches, not just moving it. So
4: exactly <laughs> what I, when tough, I man. what I, I mentioned to the doctor a few times. I'm like, doctor, would I what ever box again? And as I mentioned, I, I told the story already at the uh, the conference, but he just looked away. He didn't even he didn't even answer me. He thought it was it was ludicrous for me to ask such a question. And the second time I asked him, he actually got upset. He was like, forget this boxing thing. What are you talking about? You're, you're lucky. I still remember it. It's burned into my brain that he said, you're lucky if you can you have the strength to carry uh, or hold a glass of water. And I thought that was a pretty grim outlook on the, the next, you know, who knows how many years of my life. So I refused to believe in that. I followed a lot of your, your methods, and I'm happy to say that I'm 100% now and 50 pounds lighter.
2: You know, there, there's something to be said for that. Years ago, after my third knee surgery, and I was about 23, I have a screw in my knee, and no ACL, my doctor said the same thing, you know, you're, you're lucky you can walk. And, I, like, that's pretty much what you should do. Like, you're always going to be limited. And it was, what, 10, 10 or so years later, I'm, like, doing high-altitude trekking in the Himalayas and stuff that's, like, literally, I didn't think it would be possible. But when, when you, a doctor tells you that stuff, you just kind of have to tell yourself, you know, like... Screw that noise, and and just saying I'm going to do it. That's what gets the signal into your body to keep doing the work. And if, if you're like I'm, I'm giving up, the part of your body is like it's not necessary to eat, it's not necessary to, to to have sex. I don't need it. The species will survive if I don't have it. But if you make it a requirement, I, I think the body responds like there's something basic about the way that works.
4: Absolutely, and and this doctor that that I had this hand and arm doctor was a world round doctor, so. He's been practicing for over 30 years, and it was ludicrous for me to believe that, that I was right and he was wrong. He had so much case study and knowledge behind him. But I just kept faith that this is not the way the story was going to end. And uh, a lot of meditation actually helped a lot with keeping my emotional state in check and keeping me positive. And uh, I would do affirmations every night before bed. I would command, my, <laughs> yeah, I, I would command my, my, my subconscious mind to use all the energy in my body to heal my arm. I would tell myself every night before bed and and I was basically on this nine-month mission where I shut everything down and I, I lived with a military precision. I was sleeping exactly at 10 o'clock, waking up exactly at 7. I was swimming. I was using the uh, – oh, also the, the power lung. I used the oh, power lung.
2: Oh, nice. The other bulletproof thing that yeah. I talk about as much, right?
4: Yeah, those are pretty cool. That helped me with my, my swimming quite a bit and, and and strengthening my lung because obviously I had a bullet hit it. So I had a, uh, a chest tube oh, for yeah. nine days.
2: So, for people listening, I imagine most of them haven't found that page on the bulletproof store. But I have this thing called the power lung, and it's like resistance training for for your lungs. So you like breathe in and breathe out through a really high resistance. It's not like one of those masks you wear when you're training to to reduce your air intake. This is actually like like, like hardcore muscle weightlifting. It's hard to explain, but singers and vocal performers use it. But I, I hadn't thought, of course, after a lung injury, to be able to train your lungs that way. Whereas. I don't know what normal lung physical therapy looks like, but I imagine it's probably not quite that aggressive.
4: Well, they were giving me a device where I had to kind of lift this ball, in, but it, it became very easy really quickly. And when I really needed to strengthen things up, the, the power lung really helped and, and really, really improved my swimming.
2: That's cool. It, it changes your respiratory volume and your VO2 max in a, in a useful way. That's one of those weird biohacks that I put on the website. I'm like, this is too cool not to have, but it's not a big part of, of what I do. So you, you really dug in on the work because you found it. Yeah, absolutely. And that was called the power lung for people listening. And I, I didn't invent the thing; I just discovered the thing. I'm like, all right, this thing is kind of cool. So, so you're you're cruising along now, and you are now at Collective Evolution. You're doing a podcast with Joe, and and let's uh, just tell me how you guys connected, and then I want to go into Joe's story because it's really cool why he started Collective Evolution. So, first off, how did you guys meet?
4: Okay, that was basically a, a chain of events that led me to uh, Collective Evolution. Again, I think this is some type of divine manifestation. Um, if it wasn't hard enough while well, like to recover from getting shot seven times, uh, I had a close family member actually pass away. And this particular family member would love to post online and on Facebook. And I wasn't much of a, uh, uh I didn't like to expose myself or, or, share on social media. So out of respect for that person, I, uh, I posted the last text, uh, text message conversation that we had together and I wrote something about it. And, uh, a guy, Giovanni, who's now the co-host of the, uh, the Gene Coletti show, who, um, he reached out to me and we had, we hadn't spoken for over 10 years. So we would meet up once a week for, 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 lunch. And we would talk about everything we learned from bulletproof to, uh, different ways to meditate or consciousness and how we, how we interact with other people and ourselves. And, uh, eventually he told me about an opportunity with uh, collective evolution. He says, so we can go and meet Joe. And, uh, interesting enough, you know, when you meet Joe Martino for the first time, you don't meet him in a boardroom. Uh, you actually work out with Joe Martino. So we go in Joe (laughs) Martino's backyard and we do this crazy, I thought I was in really good shape because I would do kettlebells and all this crazy training. And uh, he's like, no, no, we're not doing any weights. So I laughed it off, but we did some crazy calisthenic workout, which left me almost
3: bedridden for two to three days. (laughs) So it's been history ever since. Uh,
2: The convict conditioning kind of thing or what, like body weight?
3: Yeah, a lot of body weight (laughs) stuff. Yeah, I have it set up in the backyard.
2: Nice. Very cool. Uh, maybe I'll come work out with you one day. You can kick my ass because I'm pretty much all ARX. So I've got lots of strength, but I'm probably not as functional as I could be. I do the Bulletproof Vibe stuff, but I'm always impressed with some of the bodyweight stuff. I'll do my handstands. That's about it. So maybe I'm yeah. a little weak, but I'm doing all right. I'm old. <laughs>
3: well, I mean, strength is the number one anyway, right? I mean, strength and mobility. Yeah.
2: So let's switch gears a bit. So you're clearly into exercise, like you're a fit guy, but... Collective Evolution isn't really mostly about that. It, it's about some other things. Walk me through Collective Evolution and then why you started it. Like, like, what's your story? Because it, it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I was that kid coming out of high school that had no idea what they wanted to do in college. And uh, I essentially succumbed to the pressures. You know, the family, everybody's like, you know, go go get a degree, go get a degree. And, and you know, I think for some people, that's their path. And for me, it, it just wasn't. It was like, I wanted to do things with my hands. I wanted to do things differently. I wanted to do things my way. And uh, I unfortunately succumbed to the pressure and I went to college. And that led me down a journey um, where I was feeling really unhappy about the state of my life and what I was doing. And ultimately, it kind of led to a point where I was, I was quite depressed. Like I was feeling really down about what the future of my life might look like or, you know, can I, can I really do this? Is this where I really want to be? And through that experience, I had a lot of reflective time. Which ultimately led me to deciding that if I want to do something for me, for my life, I don't know what that future looks like, but I got to start doing things that I love and that are meaningful to me. So I left college and I started to just explore, right? Once you get on that tip of like really learning and exploring more about yourself, how your beliefs are formed, how your ideas are generated, like how your body works, all this sort of stuff, you start to connect with a deeper aspect of things. You know, like you start to connect with consciousness or your own spirituality or, you know, like I said, the beliefs and the programming. And that led me to, to this, you know, this was seven years ago, eight years ago, led me to this point where I was like, I was looking for this information so much, but there wasn't like a ton of places that had it. And so it was like, well, why not create a platform that would allow me to talk about these experiences, whether it be spiritual related, whether it be about changing our belief systems, whether it be about exploring things that, you know, the mainstream is not really talking about, but that people should know. And, that's how collective evolution was born. It was trying to give people a platform to talk about all the different changes, both in consciousness but in information in general, uh, that were going on. Because you know, I felt like there was also something special going on in the world. There was like this awakening, this deeper aspect of people were really starting to ask questions and, and, and find things out. So that's what that's what inspired collective evolution. And now it's a it's a you know news and media platform that. Um, essentially, is going through anything from you know lifestyle-related changes to changes in consciousness, all that sort of stuff. Throwing in alternative news, uh, so you can find like a whole bevy of content there, and it's all written in our own style and perspective, which we try and keep very neutral, very open-minded. That's our that's kind of our, our main um, you know quality that a lot of people recognize.
2: Okay, I uh, I understand that. I, I've actually shared a bunch of your posts because a lot of it's a lot of it's really good stuff. And so you basically went to college, you were like, I'm not satisfied, instead of doing what most people do, which is, oh, I might as well finish my degree and sort of you know, hang out, you decided to go a little bit, uh, just, just quite. How many years of college did you do before you decided to change gears?
3: Oh, it's a funny story. I went, I lasted a semester and a half, left that program, went into another program about a year later, lasted a semester and a half, left that program, went into another one about six months later, left that. So I think in total I have about four unfinished degrees, all of which I've spent anywhere between half a semester to a year doing.
2: Got it. So it took you a while to listen to yourself there. Yeah. I think you're the only guest out of almost three hundred guests on Bulletproof Radio who's been like, then unfortunately I went to college. Yeah. <laughs> you actually said that I was kinda of laughing to myself. But like if it's not right for you, it's not right. And exactly. I, um do you mind if I ask how old are you?
3: I'm twenty eight right now.
2: Twenty eight. So, so there's, there's a lot of people now under 30 who are looking at the numbers and saying, like, do I really want to go to school? Because yeah. th- they've made so many universities now, and they're of varying quality, and having a degree doesn't mean that you'll have a job, but it does mean you'll have debt that cannot be discharged by bankruptcy. And man, I, I, if I was starting over, I don't know if I'd go to college or not. I mean, I have an Ivy League MBA from one of the, the top business schools out there. It's, it's helped me enormously. And if someone has a chance to get an Ivy League education and they want to do it, it, it will open doors for you, unquestionably. But could you open those doors without it by putting in the time and working and learning how things how things work from someone who's actually practicing what it is you care about? You probably could, and it might be uh, it might be a better choice. And for you, it sounds like it was an obvious choice.
3: Yeah, I think it comes down to, and I think where my greatest inspiration comes from is you know I've seen a lot of kids you know that. Or when, you know, when I was 18 or when I was 19 or, you know, and even now, I mean, it's 2016. It's, it's a very different landscape out there when it comes to business, technology, communication, all this stuff's different. And my main inspiration is like, um, like, don't go to school, get the education. If you have no idea what you want to do, only because I've seen it happen to so many people, so many of my friends, where once you start on that journey, it's really hard to kind of break out of the shell again of like um, – you start getting into that like that training of like okay I'm going to do this I'm going to do this I'm going I'm just doing it, I'm doing it and you're not enjoying it right you're you're feeling uninspired by it it's hard to inspire yourself after so my thing is that you know you can go to school anytime, time right there, at any point in your life you can decide hey I know what I want to do now I want to go get that education so I'm, I'm really about you know try not to batch educate yourself i.e I'm at that age I'm supposed to do this unless you know that's what you want to do
2: right. I studied computer science and information systems in a form of artificial intelligence and I spent almost almost 20 years in a career doing that and and you, you go after 20 years of working in, in tech and business to business and stuff that was exciting in the early days because we really needed that stuff to do neat things you know, Google's first servers went into uh, my company's data centers but now it's like okay a lot of this stuff's done what's really interesting I'm back to coffee which was my passion in college the the only time I ever got an A in Calculus and I had to take at least six calculus classes, if memory serves, uh, was the semester I discovered Espresso because I was like three shots of Espresso for class. It was an 8 a.m. class, which is the worst time for me. And I'm like kind of shaking, but man, I could focus. And, you know, that, that passion, it, it comes around. So what would you say to someone? And keep in mind, you're 28. You're kind of at the beginning of your career still. Yeah. Um, what would you someone who said, you know, should I follow my passion? Would you say yes, absolutely, or?
3: Yeah, I, I think it all depends on people's situation, right? Because there's a reality of do you have a family, do you have uh, responsibilities that are big, all these sorts of things. And, you know, the way I teach it is always, you know, following your passion doesn't always mean that you have to make money at it, right? And, and sometimes you don't know at the beginning when you decide to follow your, your passion that it's going to turn out into something that was going to be a career, I didn't know that Collective Evolution was going to pay me one day, and it, to be honest, it wasn't really what I was thinking about. I was very much like, okay, I want to start doing this. I have a job right now. I'm going to do both at the same time. I'm going to build it. I'm going to keep rolling. But the way I see it is if I can bring what inspires me into my life, even in small doses during a week, during a day, whatever it might be, that's going to help lead me to a place where I'm feeling not only more inspired within myself, but it. It shines, people. It's going to open doors for you. People are going to come and be like, "Hey, man, you're really into that." Like, I have this guy who can, and then next thing you know, you have a door open where it's like, "I, I can go do this business, or I can, you know, turn what I'm doing into something that's bigger." Right? And I, I very much believe in bringing it into your life as much as you can, and and allowing it to unfold, and and being open to the possibility that it can turn into your career, but you don't have to go, you know, all in necessarily to see if that's going to happen
2: that's a similar thing for me. I, I was a VP at a big company after uh, a lot of, a lot of years doing this kind of thing. And I started blogging because I'm like, what if someone had told me when I was 20, what I know now when I'm 40, having lost hundred pounds, having like got control of my brain and all this, like it would have completely transformed like the trajectory of my career and also just my life. Like I would have been a much nicer person at a much younger age. And uh, so I didn't know that that would turn into a job uh, for, for sure, not at all, and like i I'm just going to share some of this knowledge because so I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting it, and frankly, that sucks like I'd have rather like bought a Ferrari or something, and i was I was driving an eight year old car at the time, but like it doesn't matter like like what what matters is is that the knowledge is out there, so i I think it's cool that you had the same experience where you're like, okay, I'm just going to start sharing something that matters, and maybe there's a job in it, maybe there's not, but you still did something that was good,
3: yeah. And ultimately, that it's inspiring.
2: Where are you taking it next? Like, what's going to happen with collective evolution? Like, like what do you? What's motivating you now?
3: Yeah. Uh, so, education was, you know, through my experience with education um, and, and sort of not enjoying aspects of it, I, I took a lot of, of from it. And and when you get all the feedback from other people of what they enjoyed and didn't enjoy about uh, education, you begin to recognize that you know there are certain gaps in in the current system that we have now that. Are incredibly important for people to know. You know, uh, learning more about you know yourself, learning more about you know aspects of consciousness, aspects of spirituality, um, how to function in this world optimally, um, whether that be again health, business, wellness, whatever it might be, communication, relationships. Um, and I find that a lot of people are coming out and they they're wanting those skills, but where are they going to learn it from? So for us, it was kind of like. How do we, you know, take what this initial inspiration, this platform of let's start informing people, let's start giving people stuff that, you know, we believe that uh, they need to be exposed to. And now we're, we're looking at, okay, let's create a, a bit of an education platform. Let's create something where we can have courses, where we can have um, how-tos, where we can have things that allow people to experience these things that they may not get through education that they can take at any point in life, right? So again, it, it, it's like sort of filling that gap, we're filling that, that void that's there um, within the education system that we feel needs to be filled. And that's kind of the next direction, I think, for us is, is really applying um, that model to what we're currently doing. And, and I, to be honest, I kind of see it becoming a bigger end of even what we're doing now, probably getting more popular, um, being uh, something that applies to even more people.
2: You gave a talk called How to Change Your Life as a TED Talk. Least, yeah. Well, it was TEDx, but I mean, let's face it, TEDx is not TED, but still, it's cool. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> i have also given a TEDx talk, but not a TED talk, so I'm with you there. Um, just so people listening understand what we're talking about, what is the secret on how to change your life? Kind of give me the, the Cliff's notes from your TED talk.
3: Yeah, I think probably one of the most important aspects that sort of is the core foundation of everything is really developing that internal awareness that that's becoming more self-aware about who you are, how your beliefs function, how your emotions are ruling your life, um, really connecting and being open to the fact that change is like the essence of our world. You know what I mean? Like everything is changing. Everything is constantly moving. And if, if we get stuck in this idea of, of being stagnant or seeing the world as very rigid, um, what ends up happening is change can take forever and change can be something that we're always avoiding or that we're always trying to you know, ward off as like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with this. But when you're open to it, things can happen very quickly. So I think self-awareness is huge, you know, and, and really being open and believing that things are possible.
2: So you change your life by driving self-awareness, and you get self-awareness by going to collectiveevolution.com No, just kidding. <laughs> How do you actually get self-awareness? Like what's your path? Because you're, you're doing pretty well. Like you're 28. Usually there's, if you look at the Ericksonian stages of adult development. You go through these, the spays in your 20s, early 20s, late 20s, and there's like a 30 to 40 and 40 to 50. So you're kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. What did you do to get more self-awareness than average?
3: Yeah, so spending time on self, right? Again, this goes back to, um, we spend a lot of time when we're young uh, things that are like fun and entertaining and, and joyful and like, you know, the the partying and this, that, whatever, which I had to some degree in my life. And then the other part of what we're spending a lot of time doing when we're young is is school and education and, and the courses and, and the stuff that we're doing there. But I think there's this whole other level of developing an individual that is incredibly important, which I spent a lot of time on in my early 20s. And that was understanding myself. So again, going back to the belief systems, I would do things like, you know, writing out on a journal like I would keep a journal of of how it is I felt about things and then going okay so I feel this way why do I feel this way like how like what is what police system is running this you know where where did that even come from why do I have this emotion that's making me feel this way why do I like why do I believe that my physical body like I have to do things this way like what is it and when you start breaking down those barriers and kind of opening up and, and spending the time doing exercises on yourself And really discovering what it is that that you're about, it it totally changes your perception of the world, of yourself, and of what you want to do. And I would say that's kind of just how I got to where I am today was was just spending the time and doing the exercises or the courses or whatever it might be to, to learn more about myself.
2: What's your top three most effective things that made you learn more about yourself?
3: I would say meditation, 100%. Um, I would put a meditation and visualization practice into my day almost every day.
2: And you use TM or a different one?
3: Uh, I don't use TM. I, okay. I'm familiar with it. I have at times. Um, a lot of what I use is just kind of my own little personal well, six-step. Way step. developed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'll journal, um, which is, I think, a great, um, I guess, reflective piece that you could do every day at the end of the day. Again, reflecting on your life, reflecting on yourself, affecting on what happened that day, how you felt about something. Um, and then the other one probably would just be, don't stop learning and exposing yourself to things. Like the more you look at other people and what they're doing or you know, new discoveries or you know, this person's way of discovering more about themselves, the more it's like your mind is continually searching and exploring and, and you're exposing yourself to the richness that's already out there. And it helps you understand more about yourself at the end of the day.
2: So that staying curious is something it's something you can kind of cultivate, but isn't that something you're born with to a certain extent?
3: I would I would agree, and I, I think at some point sometimes we almost yeah forget like we we forget to be curious, or we forget that about that side of ourselves, or we kind of just you know fill our 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 time with other things.
2: So, so that that sounds like a a pretty reasonable thing to say. Uh, how many kids do you have?
3: Ah. <laughs> zero so far but <laughs> that you know uh, of
2: no just kidding uh, but if you look it, at it
3: this way i got yes uh, 11, 11 kids here that i gotta watch over at the office so.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it I, i'm just saying that it, it's kind of funny because i did a lot of uh, a lot of my own personal awareness work before i had a family because it is even more challenging you know, when, when you've got a, a little one that wakes you up at six in the morning like oh i thought i was going to meditate this morning and like oh yeah I'll will you know, be a member of the early riser club. Now like it doesn't matter if you want to be a member of the early riser club. You're a member of the two a.m. four a.m. six a.m. riser club whether you liked it or not. And when you thought you were going to meditate, you're actually like cleaning up poop or something. Uh, and and so it it becomes really hard to do uh, like a focused meditation practice unless you like step out and go to retreat. And that's why I think there's a pretty big market for these retreats for people who are like okay I finally found a way to drop the kids off with family or whatever. I just need three days to like get my head on straight. But what you're doing now though is really wise because you've got all this time before you start a family if you decide to start a family. And you've got uh, flexibility, like maximum flexibility. You can start a company what you're doing. And if you fail at starting a company, okay, like did you lose your mortgage? Like are your kids gonna eat? Oh wait, you don't have a mortgage. Oh wait, you don't have kids. This is great, right? So your capacity to take on risk is really good. Your time and focus time to do personal awareness work is really good. So if you do all that stuff right in your 20s, instead of basically spending the entire time drunk, which is probably, well, I remember some of my time at UC Santa Barbara, but not all of it. I'll just put it that way. So I think you can do a lot. So you're, you're kind of leading a great life. You're like, okay, started a company, 10 employees, and I've done my meditation work, and I exercise, I take care of myself. You're doing all that stuff right, but you're the exception, not the rule. What are you doing to make it so that the average person under 30 takes advantage of all these amazing opportunities instead of wasting it? Because I, I wish I hadn't wasted as much as I did. I mean, I, I worked my ass off, but it's only about money and work and nothing else.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of what Collective Evolution does. So it's providing information, um, you could say, from a bit of a millennial voice to uh, other young people out there. and it's saying, look, here's a totally different way of looking at things. So, you know, we're covering anything from science and tech to alternative news to, to you know, health and wellness and consciousness, right? So all that's coming out to people and, and pushing out through the, the main channels that a lot of younger people are um, fully engaged with, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these sorts of things. And it's giving them that, that opportunity to go, oh, here's what this, oh, okay, that's something different to think about. And, you know, for me personally, I've started building out a course um, that is—it's giving people the how-to, you know, from front to back, exactly how to actually implement this in your life. And the reason behind that is because, you know, it's one thing to consume an article online or watch a quick video online. It's a totally other thing to to sort of have a guide, take someone by the hand. How do I actually do it? And so, you know, again, this leads to the education platform we're building, and and, you know, my inspiration behind my course is here's how you can actually do this because I think that this is very important. When you look at millennials or younger people, you know, and, and uh, that's not to exclude older people as well. I, I believe they're in very much a similar boat, but they're looking at the world. They're looking at their lives, looking at what's happening and they're going something's something's not quite right. or it's like something's missing or like, like that questioning is is happening so much right now as I believe like, you know, again, people are evolving through this a very different time in the world right now and they're saying, oh, "How can we do things differently? Like, how, I'm not, I'm not feeling fulfilled by this. I'm not feeling like this is what I want to do. Where can I go? What can I do?" And I, that's the gap we're we're trying to fill for people. That's the you know we're trying to answer those questions with people through what we're doing.
2: Well, I I think it, it's working. You guys have some pretty cool posts, and some of it's a little bit wacky though. Uh, I I gotta say, Anthony, are poo powered planes the jet fuel of the future? <laughs>
4: Unbelievable! I, did, did you tell them about that? Did you tell them about that?
2: <laughs> so what? The, so I, I, I connect the dots for me, man.
4: Okay. Well, <laughs> I've always I've always been fascinated with inventions and figuring things out. So when I came to Collective Evolution, I was fascinated with the idea that I could connect with people and uh, understand marketing, virality, and trying to connect with as many people as possible. And I love inventions. So I came across this uh, information that uh, United Airlines was using uh, cow poop to, to uh, create jet fuel. And I love the idea of it because I think technology is how we're going to fix things in the future through through innovation. And it was like it was taking care of two problems and it was creating a solution. So we have too much of this cow poop and we, 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 we burn too much jet fuel that comes from obviously unsustainable resources. We can put it together. We can create one solution. I thought it was genius. I gave it what I believe was a clever title and uh, it did what it did.
2: <laughs> Question for you. Was it grass grass-fed poop or no?
4: <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. I'll do my research. <laughs> that
3: part of the industry hasn't shifted yet. <laughs>
2: yeah. I like it that though that you're able to write about stuff like that. And I, I do some similar posts on to Facebook. Like I, I posted yesterday about the team that's working to protect Earth from comets and asteroid impacts. And you realize, because I'm curious, like like you, Joe you realize, okay, I'm not paying attention to this, but there's someone who's spent his entire life focusing on, all right, how do I track all these things in orbit, and what are we going to do if something as big is coming our way? And you might think, well, this doesn't really matter, right? But when you're curious about things and, and you look at it, you're like, well, maybe it does. Another guy was on the show, uh, Graham Hancock, uh, was just on and just published it. it was a, a really uh, popular episode. And Graham just published a new book about, like, well, here's all the incredibly detailed evidence, in fact, I would say overwhelming evidence, that about 12,000 or so years ago, actually a comet did hit the, the ice cap, and in fact, it formed the island uh, that I live on now, at least parts of it, and the native people who lived here, when the comet hit, still have legends about it that he actually wrote about. They're called the, the Cowichan tribe, and uh, like not so far away is Cowichan Lake, and I'm like, okay, someone who's curious is going to look at this and find your know, micro pieces of iron across the globe and say, all right, stuff happens. So here I am. I focus on you. How do you kick more ass? You're like, okay, well, if a comet kicks your ass, it's it's a totally different animal, and it probably happened, right? At least once, if not twice. So I'm looking at all that. How do you stay curious? But then, why would I post that on the Bulletproof website? I'm like, because I'm grateful. Because it's cool, and I like it that you guys do the same thing on Collective Evolution. Like, all right, having curiosity, and not being just maniacally focused on this one little thing. Is something that I think everyone respects, and as, as long as you're you're posting within things that that people care about and, and things that that are respectful, I, I love poo-powered jet planes. I, I think that's cool. But it, it's funny. I just want people listening to feel like, all right, it's not one of those. If you don't meditate, you're a loser. Sites because there are sites like that, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, to touch on that point, one of the most fascinating parts of you know, okay, so you'll reach fifteen, twenty million people in a month, and you think to yourself, okay. How did, that, how did that happen? What, and you start looking at the, at the different topics, the different articles that people resonated with, and you're like, there's tons all across the board of, of different things. And you start to realize that everybody has different values. Everybody has different interests. And what the, what, one of the most fascinating things we've learned over the seven years of doing this is that everybody's in to becoming a better version of themselves is different. And that's fascinating. So it's like somebody found out how to meditate, because they first clicked on an article about who powered planes or somebody determined that they were going to make the, you know, a better version of themselves because they initially clicked on an article about, uh, a, a quinoa recipe or somebody about a UFO sighting, somebody about, you know, um, some other thing that happened in worldly news, right? It's like we write about all these different things and then we get these emails and these stories of like, you know, I clicked through your article based on this and then three months later my whole life has changed. (laughs) It's it's fascinating how it happens.
2: It it is pretty cool and it's very hard to map out when you're looking at it. But I I have a question. Uh, How many people follow you on Snapchat?
3: Uh, As of right now, I think our Snapchat account is I don't I don't even know. We 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 haven't pushed it much. We do Instagram right now heavy and we do Facebook heavy.
2: Okay, so so I have like the the Dave Asprey. By the way, people are saying dave.asprey on Instagram. I finally have my own Instagram aside from the bulletproof one. Um, they're they're both really cool. The bulletproof one is very artsy, but I'm like here's a picture of me with strange electrodes and and I put it up. Uh, so I I'm working on that as well, but uh when I look at Snapchat I'm like I, I, as far as I know, last time I checked, you have to be naked when you're using Snapchat. But I'm seeing a bunch of people say, like, okay, no, if, if you're going to talk to anyone under 30, you have to be on Snapchat. And I, I don't know, man. I, I've always been an early, innovator, disruptive technology kind of guy, but I'm not getting it. So I was hoping that you'd be like, oh, yeah, Snapchat changed my life. I actually meditate with Snapchat, and I was going to have to learn it. But you're sort of giving me a pass here, aren't you?
3: Um, I'll, I'll actually say that uh, I'm, I'm a little bit in the same boat as you in the sense of, like, I <laughs> I see the value in it at times, and yeah. at other times I'm like, I, I don't see the value in it. I mean, from a strictly economical perspective, there's probably ways to monetize it. Um, from a, am I passionate about going on Snapchat and recording something so that someone sees it? I mean, other than brand development, I don't really know how valuable Snapchat is, and so we just haven't jumped on it that much yet.
2: Uh, it, it's an interesting discussion. I. I... I look at it, if I'm going to take time, at this point, Bulletproof Radio reaches millions and millions of people, uh, about 25 million plus downloads so far, which puts it in the very upper tier of shows. And that's dozens and dozens of full human lifetimes if people are listening to this. So I, I, if I put all of my effort into making content that isn't murdering people by wasting all their time, well, all right, then, then I've done something good. But if I'm on Snapchat and I make content that, that I put my very best effort into that's going to help people, and it goes away after a day, I'm like, <laughs> well, <sh-."> Like, <laughs> I don't actually want to make content like that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to put my all into it. What I'm going to do is be like, hey, you know, like here's a picture of me eating breakfast or something. But uh, then I'm wasting people's time. So maybe I'll turn around, but right now I, I recognize stuff you don't have to store and then have pressure to remember all the times, you know, it's it's like an actual conversation. I totally get that. I'm like, but I don't want to have conversations. I don't have meaningful conversations that are worthy of being transcribed. Right. And that's just a, it's maybe a different goal.
3: Yeah. And I think the interesting question is, is, you know, given the uptake of, of these types of um, applications are, through people probably 30 and under is the majority of the, uh, of the audience. you got to think, is this really the future of where things are headed? Like, is it actually like, you know, this quick going to disappear content, you know, and then therefore we need to learn how to talk to people in this way, or is it just kind of a completely fun social app that is just going to have its time one day?
2: Well, for, from a, a consciousness studies perspective, and, and you guys are really into consciousness, The normal life that we live is actually a series of conversations that you don't store and record. Right? And that's a good thing, because it's not necessary. However, I'm not that interested in living a normal life. That's not what I do. Like, I'm abnormal in every way possible, because if you're going to live in a state of high performance, where you're going to have access to all your faculties, or you're just going to be conscious, you're actually abnormal. Because the average person hasn't done that much personal development work. They haven't developed their consciousness. They haven't developed their ability to move in the world. They haven't developed their ability to speak. And when I look at all those things for myself, I'm like, all right, I love to have some of those conversations, but I usually have those in person with people that that are my family or people who are like really amazing to me, people I I really love spending time with. But those are face-to-face physical interactions. And I don't know that I want to replace that with that time online. The time online, I'm going to help millions of people. I'm not going to help one person or a small group of people on snapchat but i I could communicate with them that way but it just doesn't feel like the return on investment of my attention is there and i want someone to convince me otherwise like maybe we'll get some great comments on this post or on this this, the podcast because i i don't know i I just don't get it but that's that's why i have questions about it and i don't normally talk about this kind of stuff on bulletproof radio because we're always focused on on human performance and awareness and things like that but it feels like there's a connection between social media and that, and I figured you guys might have a good answer because, you know, you're a good 15 years younger than I am, which is just enough of a gap that you probably see the world pretty differently. Like I remember getting my first microwave oven; you were born with a microwave oven. Like that's a huge difference.
3: Yeah. Do
4: you have anything to throw on that? Well, one interesting thing I wanted to touch upon is you mentioned Graham Hancock. So we had a, we had Graham Hancock uh, recently on the podcast as well. And I saw him oh, on you your podcast, and one of the other type of businesses, spinoffs that we're creating to expand consciousness and get our word out rather than just the website is we created a, uh, a live stream. So Graham Hancock was doing his, uh, his book tour for Magicians of the Gods and uh, we, we had a live stream of him. So we got the word out. And to touch on another point, you mentioned uh, face-to-face interaction possibly okay. for, for a father that has children. And I mentioned this to you a while ago is we're starting a retreat center up north so this is in northern Canada where people can can go for, say, a bulletproof full immersion week where, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40, depending how big we're, we're expanding. We're renovating it right now. Uh, and you can you can do things face-to-face rather than just online. Some people prefer that, that type of interaction in the flesh.
3: Yeah, so it kind of it goes back to there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. And you look at it in the evolutionary sense. It's like, well, we, we keep – advancing our technology, advancing, advancing. As soon as everything's just going to be VR, and we're all going to be like disconnected. But then you look at the research that comes out that shows the incredible value of face-to-face contact and of connecting with another human being. And you go, well, what's happening here? Where's is, This is going here. This is going. And I, I, my thing is, I mean, I'm, I'm all for technology and I'm all for that and, and simplicity and efficiency and helping us do that. But I'm also very much connected to. I think we need human contact. We need to maintain that for our health, for our wellness, for truly connecting with an individual and, and growing and learning, evolving together. And it's, it's, I don't feel like it's the same as biological beings to do all of it through technology.
2: Well, the, the interesting thing, something I talked about very early in the quantified self movement, like in 2011 or something, is heart rate variability. And it turns out you can measure the magnetic field around your heart. Your heart picks up other magnetic fields. So there's a transmission thing. And it just doesn't come through on your cell phone very well. No. Uh, It actually does come through in that we know that magnetic fields continue into infinity. They just drop off at the, the cube of the distance. So they get weaker and weaker. But if you're on Mars and you have a sensitive enough detector, like whatever my heart's doing is actually making a signal. So there is still something, but most people are not that tuned in to listen to that. But when you're in a room with someone, like you can feel their presence. Like We've all felt that, like the hairs on the back of your neck go up or whatever it is, and you're like, all right, I want to be around that person, and you don't know why. Well, there's a reason, and it's biological, and it may be spiritual, and it may be something else. But I'm not sure if we're getting that, and, and that's why I want my conversations that go away after 24 hours to be in real life where you look someone in the eye versus look a picture of them in the eye. Does that transmit over Snapchat? Uh, I think I have a special magnetic attachment for my cell phone. <laughs> I don't believe it does. Not yet. Give him time.
4: Well, interesting enough, when you mentioned intuition, um, I forgot to mention that when I was getting into my my car that night,
2: and oh, this is on I got shot.
4: Oh, when I got shot, this is on video surveillance that I opened the door and I, stu- I stared at the uh, the minivan. It was basically a, a getaway driver, and the shooter was crouched behind my car. So I opened the door and I'm staring at the van. And the detectives asked me, like, what was I staring at? I stared for a few minutes and I just, I felt things going off. I wasn't sure what was going on. I don't, I'm not sure what I was feeling, but I knew that something was wrong. And eventually I, I, I got into the car because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what the next move was. And uh, I always think back to that and, and I'm trying to, to hone that skill a little more. And I think when you meditate, when you're around good people, when you're not unusually stressed and you're eating good food, uh, I think you can you can heighten that skill quite a bit.
2: I, I asked uh, Mark Devine, who's a Navy SEAL commander, runs SEALFIT.com, He's been a guest on the show and, and we're friends. And I asked him on the show, and, and we even chatted offline about it a bit. Uh, one of my friends, who's a, a long range uh, recon guy, uh, told me he's like Dave. You know, absolutely, when someone has you in their crosshairs, like like really like like he told me this many years ago. Like that sounds like BS, and. He said, no, you just, you know, like, like in the training we do, you just feel like, he goes, it's, it's like a, a burning, like a flushing feeling on your body. And, and then you just know, and then like, you should duck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he told me this, not cause he was bragging, but he was telling me somewhat like he, he walked in on a, I'm actually a pot deal, like a big truck sized pot deal. And uh, he was like, I could tell right away, someone had me in their crosshairs. And he's like, so what I do? I stopped and I sparked up a bowl and then they just thought it was a pot and they let me go. <laughs> um, true story. So uh, anyhow, though, I was like, what do you mean you could do this? So I asked Mark and he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, 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 we all know that. So what you felt there, it, it's legit, like, like on some level you knew, but you didn't trust your intuition. And in my own path has shown me that I think most people have intuition, some more than others. And some people it's trained more than others. Certainly I've trained mine in every way I could think of, but just because it's trained doesn't mean you know how to listen to the signal. And that whole art of consciousness, that stuff that we're talking about there is, the signals are all there, they're just not labeled, and they're all mixed in with all sorts of other crap. And if you could figure out what's a good signal and what's noise, well, there, now you're like fully enlightened or something. (laughs) That's kind of the hard challenge of life, right? But it's doable. And I think what happened for you, Anthony, is is your body's like, you know, there's a threat here, like pay attention. And you're doing what the deer in my front yard does, freeze and look, right? Like, and assess. You went right into your primal mode, but you didn't have the connection between that and like go back into the bar right now, like, something bad's happening. And if you'd have to listened to that, your life might be very different now than it was before. So, like I said, all things happen for a reason. But I, I think this stuff is fascinating, and we need a hell of a lot more science around that. And for every skeptic listening to this who says, Oh, that can't be, you know what? Pound sand, guys. Like, science is the study of this kind of stuff. And and if you're going to say you can't study it because it's impossible, therefore it didn't happen, you're actually a fundamentalist. You're not a scientist. And I'll say that right now.
0: Yeah, there
4: there was more than just holding the door open and looking at the van. Uh, I used to work from morning to night. At that time, I was a full entrepreneur, just trying to make money, only focused on the bottom line. And that day, for some reason, I went home in the afternoon and I went to sleep which is completely unusual. And I believe my body, everything was gearing up for what was about to happen. Yeah. And one really weird thing is two weeks before the accident, uh, I had like a daydream that a guy in a white suit was shooting at me. So yeah. I, I really like, I know this, I, I'm, I'm naturally a skeptic, but I'm telling you exactly how it happened. And, and these things were, I could really feel them as much as I could, you could, you know, see something or tangible or touch something. The, the, the signs were, were very, very strong.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and and I always mm-hmm. like to touch on you know Institute of Heart Math and the Institute of Noetic Sciences is so much of that type of research, the study of you know these quote unquote unmeasurable things. There's so much science behind it. You know, it's like oh, yeah. to, to say that there's none is being behind the times dramatically because it's been around for so long, right? And I think that's one of the most fascinating ends of the work that that we do is is keeping up with and looking. I mean. Um, we've, we've chatted with these institutions a, a number of times just to hear what's the latest, greatest coming out. And it's, it's crazy. like it's, it's awesome what's happening and the curiosity, again, that's what it comes down to, right? We're learning more about our world than you know, we ever thought was even possible.
2: Uh, absolutely true. And speaking of learning more about our world than you ever thought possible, you knew this question was going to be coming up. You guys have been prepping for this for weeks, right? But I want to ask each of you the bulletproof question someone came to you tomorrow and said, I want to kick more ass at every single thing I do in my life, I want to be more bulletproof, what are the three most important things that I should know about?
4: Number one, and I just got to go on my own personal experience, with meditation. Meditation okay. changed, changed everything for me. That basically calmed me down It put me more in tune, and it allowed me to become better at everything. When I meditated, I was better at working out. I was a better friend. I was a better brother, a better son, a better student. Uh, so that definitely is at the top of my list. Also, and I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you, but bulletproof coffee. <laughs> I used to drink a tremendous amount of coffee, and it made me feel jittery and weird, and uh, I would get those spikes of energy where you're not optimized when you're super hyper. You can't concentrate, yeah. and all of a sudden, you crash, and now you're not optimized because you're super tired, and, and you have this brain fog. So it really found that, that middle middle ground, that middle balance, and it also decreased the number of cups of coffee I drank per day yeah. because I used to drink at least, I would say, like five Four or five yeah, large cups of coffee, okay. and uh, I was I was almost like a drug addict. I was chasing something that I could never get. I was never optimized. So that's number two. Uh, number three, I would have to go with sleep. I, uh, I I sleepwalk, so I've always had trouble sleeping. And once I got everything else into gear, and uh, you know I, I knew to, to, to not look at, at blue light and to tone down later on the day, not drink coffee past two o'clock. I also have the sleep mat.
2: Um, oh yeah, nice sleep induction match. Yeah, Sorry.
4: absolutely. Uh, once I got my sleep in order again, I felt much more optimized. My concentration was better. I was able to learn. I was able to again the, the emotional stability. I didn't find like that. I was flying off the handle, and I felt like a, a better version of myself. So, guarantee those are my
2: top three. What? Well, I- I, I used to be kind of a dick, and like I, I said, people don't believe it. But that emotional variability thing—we don't have stable energy. I, I, I've said some things I wish I hadn't said because I didn't have good control of my brain, because I was just getting stuff that made me jittery or not getting enough energy in. So I, I'm with you there, man. It's kind of life-changing when you're like, "Oh, this is how I'm supposed to act." So, well, and thanks for the thanks for the plug. Uh, wasn't necessary, but I can tell it was sincere as well. <laughs> it, 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 it's one of my big things too. So I'm with you. Thank you. All right, Joe.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but I am going to start it off with meditation as well, mainly because, um, you know, I think I'm a sports guy. I love, I played sports growing up like crazy. And and there's this sense of when you're in the moment in sport, just like in in life, and I think people have an easier time in sports sometimes, you could just see everything and you become so optimized that you're able to perform at a completely different level. And you look at a lot of the best athletes, they're all meditating. Yes. Um, so meditation is huge. And in it, and it, and it applies to life everything everything you guys just mentioned about meditation i'm 100 percent in agreement on i'm gonna i'm gonna switch uh, script and say movement as well um i'm big on movement because you know mobility having the physical body performing and feeling good and all that sort of stuff changes the way your body functions energetically as well so you feel like you have more energy you feel like things are moving around it activates a different level of creativity i feel um and so you know a little bit of movement in the morning, even like a simple six, seven minute stretch routine or uh, movement routine uh, that I do. Um, there's also, you know, when you're having your meetings, when you're doing creative things, don't sit down, move around, keep it flowing. That's a that's a big thing. Um, the last one, I'm just going to bring it back to um, probably something as simple as like, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to say all the things I previously said, but um, just self-awareness. I mean, that happens through meditation, but it also happens through just deciding to Look at yourself and look at how you function, how, you're, how, you're, how your belief systems are formed, all this sort of stuff, because it will tell you how you're operating and let you know how you can change to operate more optimally or more open or, you know, all these sorts of things that I think can lead to a completely different version of yourself.
2: Very cool. Well, thank you for, for sharing that knowledge. And let's see, the name of your podcast?
4: Uh, the Gene Coletti Show.
2: Gene Colletti Show and Collective Evolution, that's collective-evolution.com. Any other places that people who are interested in your work should go for either or both of
4: you? Uh, by the time this comes out, I'm going to have anthonycoletti.com. So after doing, I have to thank you for this, doing the talk at, uh, at the Bulletproof conference, I, people approached me for motivational speaking and to, to go down that route. So I'm, I'm pursuing that just to get the, uh, the message out and, and uh, my story.
2: Awesome. And then uh, Joe, is there any other site we should be sending people to?
3: Um, yeah, just, I would just say uh, for Collective Evolution as a whole, I mean, we also are on Instagram, we're on Facebook, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's, you know, those are our main main spaces.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for being on the show. I really appreciate your time.
3: I appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having us, uh, Dave. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
2: If you enjoyed today's episode, which of course you did because you've been listening, this is like almost episode number 300, somewhere in that range, and that's pretty cool. There's a couple of things you could do. One is you could say, hey, I like the show. Go to iTunes and say that. And we also talked about a few cool things. We talked about Bulletproof Coffee. You need Bulletproof Upgraded Coffee Beans, which are made with a different process and lab tested like no other coffee beans. Brain Octane Oil. So these are the things that just get that energy into your brain every single day. We talked about the Sleep Induction Mat, which can help you go to sleep. And we talked about some other cool stuff like minimizing exposure to blue light. I haven't talked about this much, but there's something called the Zentech a protector that goes on your iPhone or on your laptop, Bulletproof manufactures these things and they block the spectrum of blue light that's most stressful to your eyes and that most suppresses melatonin. So my phone, wherever I put it, actually has one of these things on it. You can't see that it's on there even during the day, but what ends up happening is, well, you use your phone at night and it works. And magically, the screen fairy, if you're watching on YouTube, it's a little box like this and it sticks on the back of your phone. So if you wanna sleep better, if you're going to look at your phone before you go to bed, you're not going to make melatonin for four hours. Zentech on the Bulletproof website can help you reduce the, the scope of that problem. Dim your lights. Turn off the bright light in your bathroom. and do all the other sleep hack stuff I talked about, but it actually can give you enough energy to make big changes in your life. You can recover faster, and like it's a one-time thing. It takes about 30 seconds to get it lined up right on your phone, and you never think about it again. The set-it-and-forget-it biohacks that give you benefit every day are the most powerful ones, which is why I went to the trouble of making Zentech. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. In the meantime, another show's coming up in another few days for you, and I'm having a great time doing these. I get to hang out with amazing guys like Joe and Anthony, and I'm going to keep doing this and keep bringing you the very best. Have a great day.